This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's Daily Politics Podcast. I'm Isabel Hardman and this is the Sunday Roundup. The Transport Secretary Grant Shapps was sent out to bat for the government this morning and Sophie Rayworth asked him about the reception that Boris Johnson received on Friday as he prepared to celebrate the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. When the Prime Minister and his wife ascended the steps to St Paul's Cathedral to attend the National Service of Thanksgiving, they were met with a chorus of boos from the awaiting crowd. There were people booing. Why do you think they did that? Well, there were also people cheering and you're not asking me why they did that. Look, politicians don't expect to be popular uh, all the time, uh, you know, getting on with running the country is a, 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 a job which where you have to take uh, difficult decisions uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and as I say, I heard I wasn't there, but I heard people booing, I heard people uh, cheering. Uh, I think it's best to, to get on with the job at hand, running the country, uh, rather than being overly distracted by you know what what uh, what, what the, the the clips that you just played. But it's not um, it's something you expect, is it, to hear a prime minister being booed? at an occasion like that. Why do you think they were doing it? Well, I, 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 I remember booing going on at the Olympic Games in, in 2012, and it, it didn't mean that uh, the election wasn't won in 2015. I, I think you're rather over-interpreting, if you don't mind me saying. But do you think they were booing because he is unpopular? Were they booing because of the Partygate scandal? Well, politicians, by their very nature, uh, and this is the great thing about having a monarchy, about the tremendous work of the Queen, uh, will, of course, divide opinion. That's what politicians do. That's because we argue about um, different sides of uh, of issues. And so, of course, you always get people who approve and people who disapprove. That's the point of a democratic, free and democratic society. It's also the point of having a, a monarch where everyone can join together uh, and support um, the, the, the Queen, regardless of their uh, politics. And, and frankly, I think it demonstrates one of the beauties of our system. But there were plenty of politicians inside the cathedral. There were former prime ministers. There was the mayor of London. There were, there were all kinds of politicians. The only person who did get some booze was the prime minister. Well, he is the prime minister, uh, you know, rather different from an ex-prime minister or a, a more minor politician. Rayworth continued by suggesting that the PM's unwelcome reception could mean trouble was just around the corner. There are two by-elections coming up uh, in the, the, this month. One poll out today shows that Labour has a 20-point lead. Why do you think that is? Well, as, uh, look, I think actually the best thing to do with uh, all elections is to allow the people to, to, to speak and do so at the ballot box. Um, you, you often get um, polls which show a variety of different situations. I, I for two and a half years, was party chairman and forever sat on programmes like yours being presented with a whole range of polls, usually proving that we couldn't possibly win the next election. Uh, and uh, actually, when the people spoke, we, we did. I think it's best just to, to, to allow the process to, to play out. I think we've only got about three weeks. People won't have long to, to, to wait and see uh, what does happen. There's still a lot of talk. You look at the papers this morning, it's full of it about the Prime Minister's future. Do you think there is going to be a vote of no confidence in the Prime Minister this week? No, I don't. Um, and as the, the, the point I was making is, 
actually in the round when people judge government uh, by the general election rather than midterm, where it's not unusual to um, see uh, polling like this. Uh, actually, people make a decision about whether you've delivered and done a good job for the country as a whole. And I'm absolutely certain that some of these huge decisions, sorting out Brexit, getting through coronavirus, seeing the largest growing uh, economy uh, last year, th these are decisions and actions uh, which will, in the end, matter to people. The lowest unemployment, actually, in any of our working lives, unless you were working in the so early 70s, I think, uh, this is the lowest unemployment we've seen. And that's, so in, in the end, things like jobs are the things that people so will want to vote for. So if there is a vote of no confidence, you think there won't be. But if there is one, he will win it? Yes, he will. Rayworth also quizzed Shaps about the recent wave of flight cancellations being seen at airports up and down the country and what the government was planning to do about it. Are people going to have their summer holidays delayed or cancelled because of chaos that we've just seen at airports? Well, they absolutely mustn't. And uh, the airports and the airlines, the travel industry, need to make sure it's sorted out. We met with them uh, earlier in the year. They asked us to speed up some of the processes, for example, getting uh, people through the security clearance if they're working uh, behind the scenes at the airports. Uh, and I made a change in the law to make that easier and faster. Uh, and, uh, you know, now I, we need the industry itself to deliver. Very important that flights aren't oversold, for example. Uh, and I want to make sure that there's automatic compensation for passengers. But we'll work with the industry very hard between now and the summer to make sure we don't see a repeat of those uh, scenes. Um, clearly, they've been taken by surprise by the way in which people have returned to travel after two years of being locked down. I I'm not surprised. We were saying all along, you will need to be ready for this. It's not very far away, though. I mean, it's only weeks away, really, six, seven, eight weeks away until the summer holidays. It's not going to be fixed in time for that, is it? It takes ages to train people, and there's a huge staff shortage. Yes, and I think they, the, the, the cuts went too deep. I and mean, we had the furlough programme. I appreciate all the uncertainty about coronavirus. Of course, this country was able, in the end, to come out of uh, coronavirus um, the fastest. Uh, so that, that also uh, will perhaps take them by surprise. Because we're not the only people with the, the same problems. I was looking at what's happening in Schiphol and around Europe, and also in America, where 2,500 flights were cancelled this weekend, um, to see that it's a global problem of rehiring people in very, very uh, tight employment markets. We've got record high levels of employment, record low unemployment levels. Uh, and as a result, uh, they're finding it difficult to get people on board. But we've done, we've already taken some measures. Uh, I've got some further measures on security uh, that I'll be um, taking. But principally, it's down to the uh, airport operators and the airlines to make sure they both match the number of tickets they sold with their capacity to deliver it. Uh, but also, where there are problems, and we understand that but there will be problems in, in you know, a market like this, that they sort it out quickly. Raywith later spoke to the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan. Following a series of high-profile scandals, she asked Khan if the Metropolitan Police were still fit for purpose. You are the Police and Crime Commissioner for London. Is it a failing force? Well, one of the things that uh, concerns me is the trust and confidence going downwards. And so in that regard, we're losing trust and confidence. So if that's the criteria of measurement, then, then that you could say so. But actually, in relation to crime going down, violent crime, youth violence, knife crime with injury, burglary, uh, homicides, uh, I could go on, making huge progress in relation to reducing those crimes that people care about. And, and you know, when there are those crimes, uh, victims uh, suffer horribly, you know, bereaved families suffer for the rest of their life. So the police have made really good progress over the last six years in reducing those crimes. But I can't escape the fact 
that too many people in our city haven't got the confidence they should have in our police service. Knife crime with injury, you specified, has fallen, but knife crime as a whole has risen no, it hasn't. you've been mayor so, of London. No, it hasn't. So, so since 2016, knife crime going down, knife crime with injury going down, knife crime with those below the age of 25 going down, uh, burglary going down. Knife crime, crime, I've looked at the graph, knife crime as a whole before the pandemic was going up. What, what you, the figure today versus 2016, it's going down. I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll now accept that. The point being is, look, it doesn't matter. One victim is one too many. Uh, one homicide is one too many. Both when I was a member of parliament and mayor, uh, I meet brief families. And it's awful when you meet brief families uh, and they, their life will never be the same again. That's why, you know, we're determined, the, the police, myself, to reduce it even further. We have in London now the country's first public uh, health approach to uh, this with a violence reduction unit. That's making good progress, giving young people constructive things to do as the summer holidays approaches. But you have got a force that's been accused of institutional corruption over Daniel Morgan's murder. You've got the Sarah Everard murder, who she was killed by a serving officer who was known to colleagues as the rapist. Officers who have strip-searched a child in a school. You're presiding over all this as the, the Police and Crime Commissioner for London. How have you let things get so bad? Well, one of the reasons why uh, I lost confidence in the previous commissioner was uh, my lack of confidence in her plans to address uh, the two big issues, is addressing the systemic racism, sexism, homophobia, misogyny you talked about, but also that the trust confidence required uh, from our public when you police by consent. There was no plan to do so. That's one of the things uh, that we'll be checking the new commissioner for? Does he have a plan to address those two issues at the same time as continuing to make further progress in bringing down those areas of uh, crime? And finally, Rayworth spoke to the war crimes lawyer Sir Howard Morrison QC, who has been appointed as an advisor to the Ukrainian Prosecutor General about what motivates soldiers to commit atrocities. But some of it just seems so random. Some of the instances that we've seen, for example, the CCTV footage of two security guards, Ukrainians walking away and Russian soldiers shooting them yes. in the back as they walked away? Well, that's a, that, the, the immediate cause of that is a lack of discipline, a lack of military training, a lack of discipline. I've read, I don't know it firsthand, but I've read from a, some American military commentary that it's the lack of a proper non-commissioned officer base who would bring uh, that sort of discipline down to the front line. Um, and that is lacking, in, it seems, in the Russian military. And a lot of people are simply doing whatever they want at the time because they think they can get away with it. And will they get away with it? No. Um, as, long as, as long as you can find evidence, and it's not that difficult these days to find evidence from videos. People actually video themselves sometimes committing war crimes. There's satellite imagery, um, there is uh, radio intercepts, there's then human intelligence, people actually saying what they saw, victims speaking, survivors speaking. Um, you won't necessarily get hold of the person who does it immediately, but it's amazing how, in the end, most people who've been committing really serious war crimes have come uh, to trial. And I think we were told at the Yugoslav Tribunal we'd never get Milosevic, Mladic or Karadic. Well, we got all three. That's all for this week. I'm Isabel Hardman, and this podcast was produced by Matthew Taylor. Don't forget to subscribe to the Coffee House Shots podcast on the iTunes store. And if you enjoyed this podcast, do subscribe to our daily evening blend email. It's a free roundup of all the political news each day, along with analysis and a diary on what to expect next. Just go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend. Thanks for listening. 
do join us again next week.